Welcome to Critical Ditto, the fragrant Pokemon roleplay podcast that you can sweetly smell the aroma of through your ears. My name is Stuart, and I will be running the game for you this evening, today, this morning, 2am at night. Whenever you're listening, I'm there for you. To my left is Alistair Hill. Ali, take it away. And I am also there for you, uh, smelling likely of banana and coriander, is Kenny Mullet, a somewhat strange yet somewhat sweet young man from Comover Town, on a quest to find out more about all his weird superpowers. On his side are his trusty Pokemon, Bowtie the Dartrix, Moustache the Magikarp, Hoops the Salandit, Fedora the Honchcrow, and that never-to-hatch egg. To my right, the wonderful David Leasley. David, take it away. Thank you so much, Ali. Uh, Madam, can I interest you in a little bit of Theo, who's the character I play in Critical Ditto? There's a wonderful bouquet of uh, aniseed and disdain. Uh, and on Theo's <laughs> team, we have the lovely and incomparable Meditite, Hilary the Swaddle, Cabbage the Kabuto, Togekiss, Jason the Combi, and a Broish Barbarical. And if uh, I may pass you along to the next concession counter in our lovely department store of smells, it's Tom. Hi, my name's Tom. Madam, could I... Madam? Madam? Madam, you're walking away. Can I, can I, can I treat to a brandy? A brandy. It smells like a never-ending fire that can never be doused by anyone or anything. She wants to be the Pokemon champion, but she was a cheerleader. Crazy, madam. No, she's gone. She's gone. And of Brandy's team, she's got Wimpy the Baneeri. She's got Gary the Scroopy. She's got Snorleone the Munchlax. And she's got Bunnelby the Bunnelby. Can I interest anyone and go back to the uh, the main head of the fragrance shop? Stew. Yep, it's me, Mr. Smell. I love smells. <laughs> love smelling them. Love making them. Some smells take me back in time. Oh, no. Nice. Oh, I remember. I remember. I remember. Previously on Critical Ditto. Theo and Kenny facing down Amandi and Cassidy. Hoops! Flame burst! The Victual cannot escape the fire that is now engulfing its entire body. Swadloon, razor leaf. The sword is just whittled down to sort of a, a butter knife. That is the end of Cassidy and Amandi. They have been defeated. Brandy, you made it. Where have you been? I thought you were kidnapped. I don't have to explain myself to you. You're currently a rookie with no badges and a numeral. I've got to get inside that church car. I've got to get this tome. I've got to get it to Team Nautilus. And then I get my Pokemon back. Let's get your team back together. With a willowy snap, Kanan returns to regular size. Kanan, we need some help getting into the basement of this train carriage. The key to it, Theo, is the slowpoke tail. Kenny, Theo, Melissa, Kanan, unconscious Taronius Chunder, descend through the trapdoor into the bottom level of the church car. This iron behemoth, this canister, you see a window on the front. Something, something weird and mystical is moving inside. Mrs. W and Templar Prime seem to be mapping out some kind of chalk, runic engraving. You can't do this. Theo readies a confused ray on Mrs. W. You think you're wimpy? Can do anything here against the steel hull of a train? Beniri's ears pull back and just erupt through the side of this train car. (laughs) 
we find ourselves in the lower sanctum of the church train car aboard the Nadorient Express, an aerial cave of knickknacks, artifacts, and crates framing a large metallic diving bell-type structure in the middle of the room. The diving bell hums with power and energy. Shadows stalk past the window of the canister. The chamber had previously been dimly lit only by gas-fueled lanterns, but with the room now fully exposed to the elements, after Wimpy the Baneri smashed through the outside of the car, the lanterns have been extinguished by the torrential rain and wind swirling under the command of Team Nautilus's Eliza. Outside the carriage, the noise of battle continues above and outside, as Team Nautilus continues to clash with the train security force under the command of Ruth, and various passengers on board. The noises are unbearably close. The would-be acolytes, Johansson and Fanny, can't hold out much longer, surely. Mrs. W and Templar Prime are interrupted mid-ritual, as Wimpy's explosive entrance knocks Mrs. W's hapless Malamar from what looked like sacrificial restraints. They scramble to regain composure, whilst Malamar bolts towards Brandy and Gary Smoke, looking to escape the car from their supposed trainer, a look of panic and betrayal in their inky black eyes. Kenny, his sister Melissa, Theo's mentor Kanan, the unconscious body of Nautilus admin Taronius Chunder, and a single hedonistic slowpoke shield themselves behind crates. Theo stands boldly before Mrs. W and Templar Prime, the pulsating diving bell illuminating the scene, readying their confused ray powder from their bandolier, whilst Meditite hovers a small metallic ball standing resolutely beside them. Mrs. W sees Theo's King's Rock pendant and yells at Templar Prime. Identify them. Templar Prime's lumbering frame and dark ringed eyes turn inhumanly towards you, Theo. Theodosia, known as Theo, I rank. Surfloat Tower Diosis. Joined age 17, Pokemon partner Meditite. Status, excommunicated. Cleared of the crime of the destruction of Surfloat Tower. Threat level, high. Suspicion of gaining forbidding knowledge. Pokemon battling ability, terribly low. <laughs> Theo, what do you do? The normal thing that Theo would do in this situation presented with this would be to turn to this broken wall and use it as a proverbial fourth wall, staring out at it at all the intelligent people that Theo has yet to meet, would like to meet, and has sadly never met, going, do you see what I have to put up with? Do you see what I have to put up with? But instead Theo is too caught in the moment of the confused ray, and Theo angry that this servant of Mrs. W has just given the greatest slight known to a former battling teacher of the tower and surfloat, continues to ready the the beam at Mrs. W with one final cry of, I've not lost a single battle on this train!
t-shirt. I love it. I want that Just on a t-shirt. Me. My thinking is, if, if it wasn't a t-shirt, it would be, I have not lost a battle, and then tiny with an asterisk. On this train. On this train. <laughs> <laughs> So Theo, just to clarify, what what are you doing? You are you're firing uh, the confused ray. I'm going to fire the confused ray at Mrs. W, who I think oh is probably goodness. the more likely to be confused of the two of them. All right, use poker powers. Now, if I remember correctly, poker powers I roll sharp. So it's two d six plus two, eight. Okay. okay, make success. So I think what happens is people take plus one forward against manipulate rolls against Mrs. W. You fire off this confused ray. You can see she takes. A full-on face of the dust, which is impressive considering the swirling air and rain that's already entered the carriage. Unfortunately, I think a bit of debris, something that flew in during the wimpy smash, catches you, I think on the shoulder, opens up a gash in the seersucker suit right across the kind of shoulder pad. You can feel sharp pain rush through your right <laughs> arm, which probably opens your eyes to the immediate threat of the environment that's also occurring in this train carriage. Mrs. W stumbles back, clutching at her face. Meanwhile, Brandy, there's a Malamar rushing towards you and Gary Smoke, looking like he's going to try and barrel past you or even through you to try to get out of this train car. What do you do? It just seems to be running away. <laughs> I love the idea of a Malamar run. <laughs> I just need to picture that for a minute. <laughs> what does Malamar sound like, Stu? Yeah, I think Brandy just, just tries to get out of the way. I don't think she wants to have a fight with this Malamar. Okay, it's coming at you at quite a pace, so I think this is going to be act under pressure. No, no. <laughs> Brandy is a plus one at cool. 2d6 plus one. Oh. 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 Cl- absolutely classic. Double sixes <laughs> last game. A single six this game. So uh, that's a three plus a two plus a one. So that is six. So that is a failure. Okay, here's what I'm thinking. You, quite wisely, Brandy, are like, I, I need to get out of the way of this. This Malamar is barreling through. It's clearly terrified. Whatever was about to happen in this ritual is just going to go through hell to get out of this train car. I need to get out of the way. But Gary... Stands his ground. No, nah, I get this. Do no, Gary, you can't sort it out. It's running out. It's full pelt. Gary, move. Gary, no. Buns. I'm bracing. I'm bracing. The Malamar sees the pair of you not getting out of the way and just fires a dark pulse. Brandy, you take two harm from this assault, this dark pulse assault. It's a glancing blow. Well, gang, this is important because it does take me into the unstable realm. Oh, no. Brandy says to herself, why did I leave that medical centre early? That was a crazy idea. Now I've got two harm on top of my original two harm, and now I'm, now I'm nearly dead. Now I've that's got the, that's the thinks, inner monologue as you're bleeding out. <laughs> okay, well, this is quite bad then. So how, how does it look? Obviously, Brandy takes this glancing blow, I guess, into some crates and artefacts, falls hard. What does it look like? Brandy, obviously still arguing with Gary Smoke, but completely blindsided by the dark pulse. She catches her head on some of the jaggedy parts of the car that have been broken into by Wimpy. She actually cuts her head quite badly, just above her eye. Everything's starting to get a bit blurry. Question through the group, how do we think Gary Smoke's reacting to this? I don't think Gary Smoke's ever seen blood in his life. Yeah, does Gary Smoke faint? Okay, so we see Brandy's been knocked aside. Gary has also been knocked aside by this glancing dark pulse, but he is wearing the dust dock suit, and I think the blow that maybe would have connected with his head is softened by this dust dock's helmet, uh, and instead the visor is shattered so that his eyes are fully exposed. He sees Brandy go down in a heap, and against his better judgment, goes over to check. Brandy, you're you're all right, right? Stop, stop, stop kidding around. Come on, you're you're fine. Rolls her over, sees the mass of blood matted in her pink hair, and just goes. <laughs> and topples to the floor with the Numal looking questioningly at his unconscious frame. Numal? 
Does Nouvel also look to the same proverbial fourth wall that Theo looked to earlier? Oh, wow. What does Nouvel have to deal with? Am I right? Nouvel. No, no, What's the deal with Pokemon champions? There is a sound at the top of the circular stairway which led into the basement of this church train car and it sounds like there's some kind of pounding. It almost sounds like the signs of conflict immediately outside the train car may have ceased but something is going on up there. Someone is trying to get access into this train car as soon as they can. You're obviously there with Melissa, Taronius, Kanan, the Slowpoke. What do you do in this situation? Does Kenny see what happened to Brandy? Yeah. I almost like the idea of him immediately and instinctively running towards her and maybe like Melissa sort of grabbing him. Kenny, what? What What are you doing? I've got to help my friend. She's in pain. Look at her. Kenny, what What about the promise you made to me? You promised that you were going to help our family. If you go out there right now and you get yourself hurt or worse, what am I supposed to do? Oh, I'm supposed to go back to mum, dad, to Dora and tell her you, you got killed because you were reckless? Melissa... I'm sorry. I don't have an answer for that. I can only think in the moment. I can only think about the person over there that's in trouble. One thing at a time. Are you going to help me? I guess that's manipulate someone, yeah? Because she, if she's saying, yeah, I want you to stay and keep yourself safe, so you're trying to say, mm. no, 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 let me go, or better yet, help me. All right, so plus charm. Kenny is a plus one to charm. Oh, oh, oh. the dice are not with us. They really, <laughs> really stepped not. out. That is a two and a three and a one, so that is a six. Melissa grabs you by the collar of your puffy, puffy jacket, Kenny. Looks you dead in the eye and says, Kenny, nothing is more important than family. You are not leaving this spot. Or my name isn't Melissa Mullet. Kenny has flashbacks to growing up where Melissa sort of, in that slightly jovial way, did bully him as older siblings do. And he just remembers that he did used to be a little bit scared of Melissa growing up. <laughs> Those are my last Cheerios Or my name isn't Melissa Mullet I'm sorry I thought they were spaghetti hoops You also got the toy earlier, didn't you? That's mine now No, no, I, I want it. toy it was... I, want, I, want, I want the Aeron spoon oh, But I was using it, really It's already got my spit all over it Oh you no, there's jelly, it? there's jelly all over it Kenny, what, why is... is there jelly on the Aeron spoon? I don't know. I don't know why I was having jelly on ce- on Cheerios for breakfast, but it's just me. I'm Kenny. I'm mad. Oh, dear, just, just give me the Cheerios. So um, Kenny has flashbacks to those moments and just caves. Okay, Melissa. Okay, okay, fine. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But this conversation, this kind of back and forth is enough to delay and whatever was going on upstairs seems to be completed and there was this attempt to get into the door. But what you seem to have noticed, Kenny, is that seems to have stopped. They almost seem to have sort of given up on that line of work. And something else seems to be happening now. There are attachments being fixed 
around the train car. Noises now from outside. You see flashes of Nautilus grunts through the opening now in the train car. You start to feel the train car wobble and this crunching and creaking <laughs> as the train moves on its wheels. And it feels like this train car is no longer attached to the rest of the Nidorient Express. And as that movement increases, that wobble and creak of the train car increases, you suddenly feel as if the train car moves off the ground. And it's like it's airborne. Suddenly the train car is moving in a 3D space as it takes into the air. It's difficult to see what's happening from inside. But as you see the countryside around you, mixed with the rain and wind of the storm, start to spin around, it's almost as if you are in some kind of twister. And the train car is starting to spin. And the centrifugal force within the train car starts to increase as people, artifacts, crates and everything are starting to be pushed back to the very edges and walls of the train car. The train car is airborne, and it seems like Team Nautilus are behind it. Brandy a potion, and instead this happened. Well, this is what's happening now. Stu, do we catch a glimpse of the Mega Gyarados out of the big opening? I think through that hole, the, the biggest hole, the one that Wimpy busts through, you know how, like, you glance at an image and you blink and it gets closer and closer and closer? I think it's getting bigger each time it spins round, so we see the Gyarados just getting a bit bigger. Oh, that's fun. As we near yeah. it and near it and near it. Great. Okay, Theo, this has all been sort of happening semi-simultaneously. But you fired this confuse ray at Mrs. W, a Malamar has darted, the train car has started to move and swirl, and you see this Mega Gyarados outside, seemingly approaching, creating this twister, lifting you all up into the air. The diving bell that, although nobody knows truly what its contents are, you can only assume is the container for this tome, which leads to the King's Rock, starts to swing and bust against its haunches. I think it's fixed by chains, with all this force and motion now, it's starting to bust against its holdings. Mrs. W also desperately trying to cling on and maintain her stance within this ritualistic circle, but is also being forced back by the centrifugal force. What do you do? Theo, who we know can be a little bit single-minded, has kind of forgotten that nobody can actually be trusted in this situation, and there is also Team Nautilus, who also have a tome, who are also after the book, and suddenly Theo was very aware that maybe in this situation, their enemy's enemy is their friend. Theo has presumed that Mrs. W is the biggest antagonist because throughout this arc, Mrs. W has been the one ruining everything that Theo has held dear, you know, has been involved in the death of Hillary, has been involved in the chasing and imprisonment of Canaan. Theo suddenly realises that although all of their anger was aimed at Mrs. W here, actually, Team Nautilus is the more pertinent threat in this situation. And if both of us are here caught off guard in this room trying to protect the book maybe the more important thing is to work as a group in this room to keep the diving bell secure theo turns to the helpless looking mrs w and is like how do we protect the book how do we protect the book from them this small framed female looking form in the black robes blonde hair face speckled 
with freckles, desperately clinging on, trying to maintain her point in this circle. Her position in it seems to be quite key to keeping the ritual going. Sees you reaching out, attempting some sort of communication. She realises that in this situation, with things as desperate as they are, you may as well be an ally, even if you have just confused raid them in the face. Mm-hmm. Templar Prime, who's also being pushed back, possibly on the other side of the diving bell, identified you as some kind of ally of the church at some point, so I think she falls on that. Here we go, Mrs. W voice. <sighs> ah, clinging on. Ah, Theodosia. That was it? That was your yes, name? Yes, yes. Are we doing names? I feel like that I asked you a question. Can we... Listen, you are right. We must protect the tomb. You are uh, affiliated with the church. No, I rank. Yes, yes, but excommunicated. All right, maybe we can sort something out here. You help me, I help you. Yes, maybe get you back in the church. Get you access to the things you need. Yes? Okay, Agree? we can all have a conversation with that when none of us are dying in a twister. That sounds <laughs> great. L- love that idea for all of us. That's great. But how do we turn this circle in which you were clearly trying to destroy that? home into something of protection is there some way we can turn it into a ward the best thing we can do now is try to uh, turn it into some kind of teleportation circle or something we need a psychic pokemon my malamar has run away and uh, i see you have meditite beside you give me your meditite we will use the meditite and we will complete the ritual you understand uh well okay so i i Super down to try and do this. I'm sorry, I thought you you didn't want to do the talking. I thought this was. I didn't want to do the talking uh, until you told. We must act. Talking action, yes? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, wonderful. No, what I'm saying here is you were trying to kill that Malamar, from what I can see. Don't really want to give you the Meditite if that's what you're planning on doing. They are Pokemon, Theodosia. They are nothing to us. They are just tools with which we can hold on to our knowledge. The Malamar was willing to sacrifice itself. Surely your Meditite understands it is the same, yes? Knowledge must be protected at all costs. That is the doctrine of the church. Theo takes this in and looks at Meditite for a second, who's still there. Theo just can't face the idea of Meditite, who who just a couple of days ago was afraid that their trainer didn't really care for them as much as they thought uh, doing something. And then suddenly a brainwave. And Theo turns around to the group and notices the slowpoke that followed us down into the dungeon and turns back to Mrs. W and goes, well, if Pokemon are all just tools... I'm sure you won't mind doing the ritual with that slowpoke over there. Oh, oh, it's a big play and I love it. Oh, it's huge. How dare you speak such sacrilege to me. We should roll. So manipulating is charm, isn't it? And I am now going to roll 2d6 plus 1. And that's a 4 and a 4 and a 1 for a 9. Oh, nearly. Yeah, 79, they'll nine. do it, but only if you do something for them right now to show that you mean it. Interesting. You are clearly no member of any church that I know of. Crush your pendant. Theo, who's changed outfit so many times in the last couple of days, looks down at this necklace and it's almost as if everything in the room kind of goes quiet. It's the last thing connecting them to to the life that they once lived, which they've so far entirely exiled themselves from. But then I think Theo remembers what Mrs. W has done to the church that Theo really cared about, to, to Hillary and to Canaan. I think this is truly the moment where we see that Theo's plans for life are far removed from whatever the church originally had planned. Theo grabs the pendant and with that sort of unusual strength that Theo sometimes exhibits, crushes it in one hand. Who's that Pokemon? All right, well, here I am on the top board, 10 metres high. Get off the top board, mate, it's too high, look at it. Yes, but I am a daredevil. Alistair, yep, and I'm, but, I'm going to do a handstand. Blob, 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 I'm the water. Come, come, no, jump in the water. No water. Blub, 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 no, blub, don't blub, tempt blub, him. 
No, no, water. no Club, there's a it. snack in the water. There's I, a midsection snack. There is a snack in the water. I think somebody should jump. <laughs> <laughs> David, aren't you the snack in the water? I've always been the snack in <laughs> the water. And what's, and what's David holding? It's a midsection blub, blub, blub. Go, jump in, Stu. I think I guess we'll have to find out whether he jumps at the end. Let's talk know, about the right? midsection and then you can decide whether you jump. Blub, 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 blub. This midsection is sent to us from Tyler Reader, I believe. Is how you pronounce it? Hi, Tyler. My name is Tyler, DM and creator of Misrolled Adventures. Nice plug, Tyler. Yes, Misrolled Adventures. There we go. We'll keep it in. We'll keep it in. That's the promo for this week. (laughs) I had an NPC idea since listening about how the Pokemon League is trying to coax others into joining up and getting a Pokemon license. To keep those who have a license interested in Pokemon catching and keeping them going, there would be certain individuals who are hired from the Pokemon League who instill inspiration to trainers. How they do this is dress as big Pokeballs, wearing a cap, one red shoe, one white shoe. The whole works. They oh my ro- god, I love it already. <laughs> they roam around randomly and challenge trainers to fight them and their Pokeball-themed teams. So we're talking Foon Goose, Voltorb. Whether the trainer wins or loses, they hand them a collectible and uniquely designed Pokeball for free. This way, the trainer gets encouraged to go out and catch them Pokemon. Are they sure they don't want to catch them dreams? That's what I was thinking. It's grammatically incorrect, catch them Pokemon, isn't it? It's terrible from, from Tyler. Or even, no. or even catch them alls. Uh, thank you very much, Tyler. I really enjoyed that one. I just love the idea of people walking around. It's basically yeah. the ball guy from Short Sword and Shield, but in full form. Exactly Is that. Is it the evolution yeah. of ball guy? Oh my god, ball, ball, ball person. Ball person. <laughs> what are the names of these people who dress as Pokeballs? The ball bags. We just established. No, nope, they're not the ball bags. <laughs> they're not the ball bags. Is there a nice pun we can do with the Pokemon? Something about ball. Scrotum and Scrotom. Can we do a? Can we do a Scrotum? Scrotoms. <laughs> Scrotoms. David, the thing is, that's very good. Maybe they didn't realise that it's the pun that we all know it to be. <laughs> they maybe realize. they're just the they're the, okay, so... they're the special champion Rotoms. Oh, <laughs> I said someone losing it, losing the joy of being a trainer. You there? You there? What was the last thing you caught? Another Spearow. How many Spearow do you have now? 57. <laughs> that's, a, that's approximately 90% of your catch. My friend, <laughs> you must venture farther than Route 3. If you if you want to follow <laughs> this. Do you, do you want to actually, do you know what? Maybe I'm overstepping my boundary. Do you do you want this? I don't know. Maybe if I battled you, it would make more sense. I do have 57 Spearow, but they count as one Pokemon. It's like wishy-washy. I'm trying to do wishy-washy with Spearow. <laughs> I'm just a man in a ball suit. I, I've got nothing to stop you doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I have a suggestion for this. What if, rather than Pokeballs, they've got a new mission, and that mission is Extreme Balls. They're dressed now as Extreme Balls, and they're part of a big Capricorn push. To um, so the special ball they get is the Extreme Ball. If they whether or not they win or lose a battle, so these the Scrotoms are covering the Formia region. Perhaps there were some that we didn't even notice at the stadium, where with the Hydreigon fight, there were just a couple of Scrotoms lying around. Definitely. Um, I definitely think they're at the stadium. Mm. Are the Scrotoms the Capricorp grunts? Like, teams have grunts. Capricorp has the Scrotums as their as they grunts. So the Scrotums are trainers. How many yes. Scrotums are there? As many as you can dream. I get, Also, I guess the problem is that if you're giving out what is effectively a souped-up Master Ball to literally everybody who the Scrotums come across in the street, normally you probably have a sort of like natural selecting level of Pokemon that are caught. Your Spearows, your Rattatas, your Pidgeys. 
but in this situation people can just throw balls at anything so there's probably just like a a huge absence of just sort of OU Pokemon in the environment where once there might have been like a like a Drudgigan looking after their family suddenly there's just there's just none because like any child can go up and just catch whatever big Pokemon they want the impact of the extreme ball will be felt once a couple more days in the world go past right Stu yeah yeah, yeah. We've... Stu's painting a, a vast world behind the scenes, folks. I can assure you, that's what he's doing right now, right? Right, Stu. Right, yeah, that's, that's what, what you're doing. doing. Yep, that's why I was quiet for two minutes. Yep. Any, any, <laughs> any, any second, I am not speaking or saying something witty. I am crafting. Okay. <laughs> work is never done. Call him Kurt, the apricorn crafter. But instead of I apricorns, like... it's a narrative. I feel like the Scrotums would probably be fans of the Extreme Boy if they're encouraging people to go out and catch more Pokemon. Then it's like it's basically doing their job for them. Except for one who just hated being dressed in chrome. <laughs> yeah, does nothing for their hair. So there's a bit of a split at Capricorp. Some purists who want to stay as the Pokeball because all their Pokemon look like Pokeballs. Yep, some of them have some of them got the spray can out on their uh, yeah <laughs> on their electrodes. Maybe it's a Formian uh, re- Ooh, yeah. uh, regional type of Voltorb that looks like an Extreme Ball. Ooh, yeah. Love yeah, that. Just love pure that. steel. Pure steel. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And on that, <laughs> ooh, yeah. I'm going to thank Tyler. I'm going to thank Tyler and. I will encourage people to check out Miss Roll Adventures because it was such a good idea. And Stu, it's up to you. Blob, blob, blob. Blob, blob, blob. Was that <laughs> no, good Stu. enough? Was David's Stu. tasty snack? You're really high. I'm going to just, I'm going to hit the reverse gravity switch and I'm going to dive upwards through the roof. Here I go. No, Stu, come back. No. Oh, God. <laughs> blob, 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 blob. The Chandi region, once two separate kingdoms, now the two nations are one. A peaceful region with eight gym leaders, the elite four, and a champion ruling over them. The Chan and the Dee have merged together, and the only remnants of their enmity are scattered and fading. For now. Join us every first and third Monday on Pokemon Aurora, a real play Pokemon tabletop united RPG podcast. Come along on the journey with our three protagonists. Charlie Pine, played by Paul. Hey, why can't I catch this plot-relevant Pokemon? Charlie, stop breaking the fourth wall. Professor Rudimentus Sneeze, played by Michael. I, I bring a lot to the table. It- so to speak. It, it, it's a journey, not a table. Liliana the Shadow Garden, played by Lydia. Alright, let's go, gang. Where's my wallet? Okay, seriously, let's get out of this promo. And me, Nick the GM. It's a Pokemon journey filled with gym battles, evil teams, powerful legendaries, and more. Pokemon Rollout can be found on tapestryradio.org, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we hope to catch you there soon. Who's that Pokemon? Malamar. I think Brandy's a little bit out of commission right now. Do you want to play Wimpy? Yes, love it. The Pokemon Mystery Dungeon time. Wimpy the Baneri, you see the scene laid out before you. You see your trainer, Brandy. She is, I think she's actually on all fours, barely able to even stand. There's blood pouring out of a wound on her forehead. You see Gary Smoke, the former Pokemon champion, also collapsed in a heap by a crate and you see the action unfolding all around you. You also start to feel this centrifugal force push against your tiny bunny paws, trying to force you towards the walls, towards the open, gaping moor in the wall that you only moments ago had created. What do you do, Wimpy? Bun. Bun, 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 bun. Bun, bun, bun. That sounds like a, a act under pressure. <laughs> <laughs> so just give me a, give me a plus sharp. Billy's internal monologue there was, my trainer needs help. But the, the biggest sort of danger at the moment is similar to a danger that Baneri has already seen on this train, which was in the furnace when there was a big opening and there were Pokemon and people who could have fallen out. And I think Baneri is going to use that memory. Baneri is going to try and cover the opening 
that he created. Okay, is he doing it on his own, or is Meltan still there, or is there? Yeah, Meltan still there. Is he right? trying to trying to get Numel on side? Yeah, a hundred percent. Okay, so oh my god, three the three Pokemon combined. Wimpy wants to bring the gang together. Numel, Meltan, yeah. we've got to cover up that hole. We can do it if the three of us combine with the power of friendship. Are you with me? Meltan um. takes off their small monocle, wipes it with a bit of rainwater that's splashed on it. Why, Mister Buneary, I couldn't be more in if I'd tried. Right, can you describe again what's in the room? There are sort of artefacts. Yeah, there's like a load of detritus. Odds and ends, bits and bobs, artefacts, crates. There's a load of crates. Baneri is going to look in a crate and sort of check a place out and try oh. and find something useful to them. Just roll Brandy's plus sharp. Yeah. So Brandy is plus one sharp, so so is Baneri. <gasps> Hello! Oh, yes. oh, it's a good one. It's, it's four okay. plus six plus one. It's an 11 for Baneri. Okay, so you can hold two questions. Veneri's options are what is about to happen, what Pokemon is nearby, uh, what should I be on the lookout for, what here is useful or valuable to me, what here is not what it appears to be, what is really in control here, and what happened here recently. To continue with the Shonen theme, Veneri puts his hands up to his head and he thinks, almost very Theo-esque in this way, and finds what here is useful or valuable to him. What if, Veneri, you scan the whole train car and you realise, do you know what? The only thing that is big enough to cover this hole is the diving bell. Because it's all chained down is the only thing. Yeah, but it is, it is reeking, it's shaking, definitely weakened, definitely wanting to become loose. Okay, I think that's the best plan we've got. Wimpy looks around and looks at Meltan and Numel and says, we're going to need all three of us here. We're going to push that diving bell in this direction. It's going to block up that hole. We need to time it right and then all jump at it and push it up the hole opening. Do you want to roll? Oh, uh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> Act under pressure. Plus cool. Oh, here I go. Plus one. Oh, my word. Oh, I tell you what. That is... It's it's fine, everyone. It's a mixed success, but it is a seven. I just... And I mean, I scraped a seven here. Okay, hard choice, worse outcome, or price to pay. You're pushing this diving bell. In the chaos, you've managed to claw your way towards wherever the diving bell is, is fastened. you found that weak little chink in the chain. You know that this is the point. If you give it a good old shift at this point, it will fly in the direction you want it to go. But you see, to your right, Wimpy, suddenly Meltan is no longer with you. Meltan has got caught in one of the chains. His, one of his like metallic bodies has accidentally fused with a chain link, and they're stuck in this chain. And you realise that if you release the diamond bell at this point, the chain will also come loose. And Meltan could go flying who knows where. Oh. Numel is with you, ready to push. Wimpy, <laughs> this is our chance. Baneri looks, looks to see Meltan. The thing is, Numel, I'm not a lone wolf. I'm nothing without my friends. I can't do this. And instead of pounding on the actual diving bell, decides to pound on the chain to release Meltan. But I think okay. there could be a consequence in that perhaps that opens up the diving bell in some way. So I think, yeah, Wimpy, you dash over, leave Numel pushing the uh, diving bell on their own, miss your opportunity to plug up that gap, and instead go and help and direct this vicious ear-based attack onto the chain link. And it shatters the chain. The chain had actually been under a huge amount of stress, and as soon as you shatter it, it flicks backwards, and flies back towards the diving bell, and shatters the glass window on the front. There is this... Suddenly, as it feels like even amongst all this storm, wind, rain, the air and energy is just sucked out of the immediate area around the diving bell. And Wimpy Baneri, you see something start to emerge. What on earth have you released? 
So Theo, if Mrs. W is staying in position in this ritual, your next task is to retrieve the slowpoke, which is over by Kenny, clinging onto these crates near the spiral staircase. What do you do? Theo, it's kind of like that thing when you're when you're on a train that's moving really, really fast, you're just kind of thrown and sort of stumbling down, trying to like use objects to sort of jettison their way back towards the others over by these crates. And as they go in the few seconds that takes, Theo realises that they're going to try and steal a slowpoke from a committed member of the church and Kenny, someone who would rather watch their own limbs be torn off than see a Pokemon be put in any kind of pain. But Theo is Theo is committed. Theo is not going to let Metatype be hurt. And so... Theo goes over and tries to put on like a really calm smile. Hey guys, um, does a little thing. Um, I need the slowpoke for a little little second there. If anybody could um, if anybody could just stop, anybody could stop moving around. I just need the slow. If somebody could just give me the slowpoke. Anyone? Theo, help me! Can't stop flying around the garage. (laughs) Why do you need the slowpoke? It's a really long story, but basically it's going to save the tome, Kenny. So I really, I really, really, really need the slowpoke. It's going to save all of us. Kanan is holding the slowpoke. What do you mean? I'm protecting this slowpoke. Oh, I really didn't want to have this conversation with you. Okay, so... Um, <laughs> no, but I, I'm very much present. I'm here. Yes, I, I guess. I could have been tiny. You could have kept me in your pocket. Oh, I might, how I, might I wish. not have interfered there. Remember my 13th dissertation on transmutation circles in the Church of Slaslo. And uh, as you may have recognised, one of those over there was a destruction circle that was being drawn to uh, destroy the tome that the Church have in their hands on this train. What we're trying to do is turn that into a teleportation circle. Uh, and what we need is a psychic type, according to Mrs. W, who I think you could all agree we can trust because she's done nothing wrong to any of us. And after <laughs> we take that slowpoke, we're going to save the book, which means that we don't have to worry about protecting it from Team Northless, who you may realise from the interesting turbulence outside has somewhat got us in their clutches. So I think it's quite important at this moment in time that you see sense and we save that book. Theo, you're suggesting that if I give you this slowpoke, you would be able to somehow change the ritualistic circle. Theo, who's normally the person to kind of bluster through and act a little bit imperious. Theo can't lie to, to Kanan as much as, as Theo might like to, and, and Theo softens. Kanan, I I barely was able to save you twice on this train, and I need to save this book, or else more people will die. Let let me do it, Theo. Let me take the slowpoke there. I don't want If you to... can do it, if you can do it, Theo, then I trust you. But let me be the one to take the, the slowpoke to the circle. Very well. And with that, Kanan grabs the slowpoke and starts clawing their way, using the cane to fight against the forces, which are only growing ever, ever more strong towards the circle, and stands in the place where the Malamar was restrained only moments ago, holding this now very worried-looking hedonistic slowpoke. Mrs. W looks quizzically at Kanan, also standing in the spot, shrugs, and continues the ritual. Theo and Kenny, you're watching from the crates. What do you do? Theo! Do you really think that's what's going to happen? Teleportation? I'll be honest with you, Kenny. I have no idea, but all I can hope is that we all want that book to be safe, for, for us to learn more about the King's Rock, for them to learn more about the King's We just have to hope that the only people who want something bad to happen to our plan is Team Nautilus. So, Theo, what are you doing to change this ritual? Well, I guess we've established that Pokemon artifacts, items are kind of used in church spellcasting previously so maybe what is changed is that if there's sort of four points of this circle one of which is templar prime one of which is mrs w one of which is the slot for the pokemon in the other slot there was originally a reaper cloth and that is now being swapped with 
a red card. I really like that. That's great. Okay. Theo has already put a lot on the line here, so I think Theo would go in and swap the items themselves. All right. No Pokemon involved. Theo and their brute strength going to fight this centrifugal force, this storm again, and swap these items around. I, I truly believe that Theo has a red card just on their person. I think it was in your very first lecture in, yeah. uh, in South oh, Tower that we had in yeah, episode one. So I yeah. think you just have a red card. I guess let's just work out what role this is. Let's go for Great. a plus tough. So Theo is a zero in tough. Plain old 2d6. Oh, which, uh, Lord. Great sloping. Here we go. Oh, oh my God. Maybe Mark what 2 experience, experience, I suppose. <laughs> I rolled a, a one and a three. I rolled a four. We're going to take a break. <laughs> Theo, you drag yourself using every ounce of upper body strength to pull yourself towards the centre of the room where this ritualistic circle lies. Uh, you get to the small indentation where the reaper cloth has been placed, whisk it away and slap down your own red card and breathe yourself a sigh of relief. You got there. You made it. You made the switch. Surely now, nothing could go wrong. Only you look up and you see Kanan clutching the slowpoke and you can see it. They can't go through with this. They can't harm this sacred Pokemon. And just at the moment that Mrs. W completes this ritual, presumably to teleport this diving bell and the contents of this train car as far away as possible, Kanan throws away the slowpoke, almost with an apologetic look back at you, Theo. But in that moment, the ritual completes. And you are whisked through time and space. Everything is black, everything is white. There is a rush in your ears, like the roaring of the sea for just a second. And then silence, then nothing. Until you're back. Only, you still feel rain. You still feel wind biting at your clothes, your cheeks, your exposed skin. The air, if anything, feels thinner. You're not spinning anymore. And as all of you open your eyes, you see that the train car has been teleported. But the train car has been teleported onto the deck of the Team Nautilus capital ship. You have been whisked through time and space and find yourself currently on the deck of the floating Team Nautilus capital ship. You've been whisked in a similar manner to all the others in this train carriage. However, as you blink out of this weird teleportation, you see that around you, everyone seems to have succumbed to it in a much more tangible way. You see Brandy still collapsed. You see Wimpy, Numal, 
Meltan, the Slowpoke, all struggling to regain their consciousness. Kanan is collapsed. Theo also clutching their head, struggling with what has been a very traumatic journey for them. But you seem oddly fine. Oddly calm. And it's you who first witnesses what emerges from this bell jar that has been placed at the centre of this entire action. It is you who witnesses what slithers and slinks out of the now exposed shattered window where Wimpy broke the chain. Kenny, what you see emerge is this dark, ghostly figure. Half smoke, half nightmare, all green creepy face. A spiritum. Only this spiritum, rather than having a keystone, seems to have a key tome. It's a spiritome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really loved the, the sort of I dark narrator I, I, facade. I, <laughs> leaving it slowly. Just, it just fell. It just fell away, didn't it? Kenny, this is what you see. This purpley, dark, black figure creeping out of this hole. You can see the tome. It looks very similar to the one that you had seen all the way back on Surflow Beach with Adri Fomonsk. Only this one is inside the Spiritum, seemingly a part of it, seemingly connected with it. But the Spiritum just locks eyes with you. And in this calm, it's almost like you're in the calm of the twister that you had been, the eye of the storm. For this one beat, for this one moment, nothing is actively happening. It's just you and the Spiritum. And it speaks to you. Kenneth Mullet. Of Comovertown. Why are you here? I'm here to protect you from some bad people. Boy of great power. You do not understand it yet, do you? Having a clue. My keystone, my tone, it pulls towards you, almost like it belongs to you. But this is mine, unless you can prove me wrong. Give me your best shot. Kenny's face darkens and he sort of senses the threat, not just to himself, but to those around him. And he looks around at his friends, at his sister, at Theo, at Brandy, at his Pokemon. And I think he sees Bowtie holding onto his, his leg, just cowering a little bit, and remembers... The first time he and Bowtie met, and there was this inner understanding, and it didn't come from circumstance, it wasn't luck, it was fate. Kenny realises fate has taken him to this moment, and that he needs to let go of everything, close his eyes, and embrace fate. I want Kenny to try to attack his spirit doom with some dark ghostly power. Maybe. Tuki and Pete appear on your shoulder, just but but only just to say, "We're with you, Kenny. We get it. This is serious now. We've both got your back. Use it. Use us. Use the power." Kenny's hands burn purpley flames, and he throws them forwards towards the spiritum. Oh, Robert. double ones, Ali. Oh, that is... Oh, well, Kenny's doing... You, you joke, it might be. All right, so Kenny is going to roll, use poker powers. This is not That's a weird. power play. This is absolutely not a power play. No, this no. is pure instinct, and Kenny's going to roll plus weird. He's a plus two to weird. So we'll see how it goes. Oh! Boom, baby! 
That's a three and a five and a two. It's a ten. Come Bad on, time. guys! Bad I time. I badmouth the dice, but you know what they know what they're doing. They know. They know when to bring it out. Ali, what does this look like? Kenny's hands start burning, and he looks down at them and sees the fire start to engulf his arms, and he doesn't know why, but he reaches for his his pocket and he grabs what's on his back, and what's on his pocket is the paintbrush that he took from hoity-toity in the very first episode of the train arc. And what's on his back is the yoga mat that he won with hoops that has the picture of the Gyarados on it. And he remembers his Pokemon in this moment. His hand that touches the paintbrush lashes towards the Spiritomb and it's ghostly purpley water. And his hand with the yoga mat thrashes forward and it's fire and poison and murky blackness and they wrap around the spirit tomb, each of these strands. At that point, a bow tie launches above Kenny's head, spreads her wings wide, and fires out some of her own innate ghostly power. So, we've got this inky, watery attack from the Magikarp Gyarados power, we've got the fiery, sludgy attack from the Salandir, and we've got the ghostly attack from the Dartrick, all combining to attack the spirit tomb, piercing in the left, piercing in the right, smashing it forward as a spirit tomb starts to dissipate. And Kenny, as you see the spiritum start to dissipate, it's almost like the spiritum is smiling, as if you've passed some kind of test that that spiritum knew was coming. As it starts to demanifest, its purpose fulfilled, disappear from the world, you see a shadow, a flicker, a memory of the moment that, that spiritum was bound to the tome. And you see a figure, a figure who seemed to be doing that binding. And Kenny, it's you. It's an older version of yourself. What? The figure looks at you for a brief second, but it almost seems to look through you, but it does seem to swell as if imagining the pride that one might feel in this moment before disappearing also with the spiritum. I think Kenny goes towards the figure and very calmly, knowing that he's safe, takes the turn. He looks back, he sees Melissa, mouth agape, almost kind of wondering whether this is part of the, the fugue from the teleport or or whether she's known all along that her, her little baby brother could could be capable of powers beyond her wildest imagination and I think what confirms it is the egg that Kenny's been clutching for the last however many hours does it, does it start to shake? I think it does the egg starts to hatch in your hands Kenny and standing in the very spot where that vision had just manifested and disappeared the egg starts to break open the egg that you received in your own mind palace and inside is a tiny baby spiritum. Does it have like a piece of the eggshell as a, as a keystone? Oh, oh my god, so... that is adorable. Oh You're my... welcome, fan artists. Uh, They're baby oh spiritum. my god, I'm so conflicted by fear Sp- and cuteness. Spiritum. Goo goo gaga gonna kill you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, end of scene. Wow.
Kenny, in the immediate aftermath of this transcendent experience? I think Kenny, with his tiny little baby spiritum in his hands, rushes over to Brandy, who puts his arms sort of around her shoulders and goes, Brandy! Brandy, are you okay? Take this! Take this! And he... Thanks, Gary. You know what? I'll take it as a compliment. Huge, huge compliment. Much more attractive, better Pokemon battling. I think because Brandy's so oblivious, I think it's almost like just spoken through haze. Like she doesn't really know who's she's doing in it. And out. You know I mean. She's in and out. Absolutely. So I think, but, but taking the potion, I think she starts to... Question, <laughs> is a potion a liquid or a spray? <laughs> that is a very good question. That's a big question. I think it's kind of like, like sun cream where you can spray it on if you want, but you could also just open the cap and pour, pour that sucker out. <laughs> what, and just drink the sun cream? <laughs> no, don't drink the sun cream. <laughs> <laughs> but please oh, You gosh, leave protection you like, on the inside You sound like the conversations I have with my son already um, <laughs> Probably rub it on her wound Maybe on That's her That's really her good yeah. So, so yeah. Kenny He has a bit of sort of leftover medicinal leaves From the potion that they created for Kanan And combines that with the potion And the, the wound starts to heal a little bit Gary, Gary is that Oh Oh Kenny What's going on? Where are we? Why are we in the air? What's the, what's that in your hand? Is that a that looks like a really creepy fire ghosty? It's it looks like it's licking its lips at me. It looks like I it's... know I know it's another one of my adorable team. Adorable team. Okay, well it's it's Brandy, seemingly my Brandy, soul feels like it wants be to be trapped inside nice. there. Brandy, be nice to Swirly. Okay, I'll be nice <laughs> to be nice. Swirly. That is a cute name in fairness. Kenny, thank you so much. <laughs> I think you might want to hold back on the thanks. And at that moment, Kenny. Your worst fears are probably confirmed as the wind and the rain that is still pounding down on the deck of this ship intensifies. You look around you and you see that what had been transported from this train carriage includes the diving bell, a few random artefacts and crates that got caught up in the ritual, Canaan, who seems to have suffered some kind of mental stress from being involved in the ritual despite throwing away the slowpoke. You see Theo scrambling to their feet as well, somewhere near the red card. Obviously Melissa there. The unconscious form of Turonis Chunda, several Pokemon, including Meltan, Slowpoke, Numel, and Wimpy. Slowpoke's uh, hiding behind Wimpy, Numel, and Meltan. Protect me! Protect me from these animals! Absolutely. They're so much bigger than a teeny tiny little Meltan. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It really is. But yes, as this collected crew starts to slowly come to their consciousness, you see Aliza start to crest the bow of the ship atop her mighty Mega Gyarados. The storm intensifies to an almost unbearable degree. And Kenny, she seems to lock eyes with you directly. And even over the wind, the roar and the rain, you hear her loud and clear. Give me back my tome.
Oh my goodness. Kenny from the future? Brain melting stuff there, folks. What does it mean? We sure as heck do not know. <laughs> we're really, we really tie ourselves up in a beautiful knot that we will attempt to escape from at some point. But you know what? That's that's for future critical ditto to worry about. Current critical ditto? Ooh, that was cool. Let's do that. That's how we roll. First and foremost, I would like to thank our patrons. That's right. We launched our Patreon a couple of weeks ago. And we now have some patrons. So Patreon is a website in which you can support Critical Ditto and help us achieve our goals, which in a lot of cases does require the use of money. So this is just a way for listeners of the show who can and want to, to help us achieve those goals. Honestly, it blew us away, the amount of support we've received in the first two weeks. It's been genuinely staggering. And so we are going to thank you and name check you all right here. And if you do not want to join the Patreon, because it's not the right time for you, it's not your thing, that's absolutely fine. Um, You can help the show in many other ways, including leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Give it a five. Give it a five. If you want to leave anything less than a five, email us at criticalditto at gmail.com and give us your feedback directly. Let's not upset the algorithm now with anything under five. Come on. Come on now. So I would like to thank our very... I would like to thank the Critical Ditto patrons. Jonah Jackson of Postcards from Pearl and Quest Company Jr. So check that out. Trigula, aka Aurora, aka Paladin Extraordinaire on the Critical Ditto Discord. Josh Anderson, thank you very much. Alchemage, thank you, Alchemage, love your character suggestions. Cesar Treveno, thank you so much, Cesar. Force Majeure, another brilliant podcast. Brilliant Star Wars actual play podcast. Just about to head into their fifth season, I think. So, you know, they're going great guns at the moment. Haunted the Vagabond, thank you Haunted. GGT, aka another paladin extraordinaire. Crandon Creations, one of the greatest artists of our time. Eric Eichinger, thank you so much Eric. Millamoy, thank you Millamoy. Your live reactions light up our days. Ginny Voss, thank you Ginny. Excellent roleplay partner might I add. And Alastair Collinson, I'd say Alastair Collinson at the moment is chief game designer for Pocket Monster of the Week. The amount of help that Alistair has provided for for this game is astounding, so thank you. And there they are, the 13, the mighty 13. If you'd like to become a patron and get a shout out on the show, please go to patreon.com forward slash critical ditto. Right, I would now also like to thank Michael Sands, the creator of Monster of the Week, which we did a little flip reverse and created Pocket Monster of the Week. Uh, I'd also like to thank Braxton Burks and the Materia Collective for their albums Canto Symphony and Johto Legends, and of course, the new one, Time and Space. Get it on Bandcamp, it's amazing. And of course, Glitch X City. Check their music out on YouTube. I'd also like to thank the creators of Pokemon, Satoshi Tajiri and Junichi Masada. And of course, to let everyone know that we are a fan-made, not-for-profit podcast and have no affiliation with Game Freak or the Pokemon Company. And thank you all for listening. I know it's gotten all a bit Doctor Who. We're all a bit timey-wimey. We've got a lot of different time streams going on. Can we keep up? Absolutely not. And I'd like to thank David, Ali, and the GM, Stu, as we plough on. See if we can find an end to this story. Or just make sure it keeps going and going so we don't have to. Smart. Smart. And remember, folks, Go catch them all. And by all, I mean your dreams. Oh.
Oh, the water's going with him. Yeah, of course. Of course the water <laughs> will go with him. The water's the chasing him now. Running. The water's now diving into <laughs> stew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so can we check back on them? In another yeah. yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. Oh my god, is there a midsection to deal with all of our midsection characters that have got in and out of midsections? The midsection <laughs> cinematic universe. The, oh, my the, oh my god, the MSCU. <laughs> That's really good, Ali. It's really solid. <laughs> <laughs>